The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Well, now it's time to say good morning to Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, you've got an intriguing study to talk about today. Uh, this is where scientists in Britain actually deliberately infected people with COVID-19. Why? It's a fascinating stuff, Pat. I mean, it's an incredible set of experiments were done, like in a controlled environment, if you see what I mean. They infected 34 people. You might wonder why, as you say, would that be dangerous and so on? But they could monitor them, everything about them, their symptoms, the viral load, antigen testing. They followed them out to nine months, by the way, which we can discuss as well. So it's a really wonderful example of very accurate science. What happens when you catch this virus and your risk of catching it? They're answering all kinds of interesting questions, really. These were volunteers and they were aged between 18 and 30, so in the prime of life in terms of their immune systems uh, and all the rest, but they were paid. They were, yeah. They, they, this is the first go at this. They've just tested on really healthy young people as opposed to, say, older people because obviously there's ethical questions, isn't there, as well, you see. Yeah, they gave them £4,565. That was the pay. Uh, all you had to do was stay in, in, in a hospital. It was a Royal Free Hospital in London. Stay there for two weeks and get monitored and you got paid that money. So you might say it's it's not bad, is it really, in a sense? Obviously, you're taking a risk, but well, they're getting paid. And then they, they, they infect them, Pat, with a single uh, nasal droplet is all they gave them. Can you imagine a tiny droplet, basically, that was containing virus? They gave them all that droplet and then began measuring them. And they noticed that the virus began to grow very, very fast in all of their no- throats, first of all. Interesting. The throat got infected first, interesting, even though they inhaled it. The first place they could detect the virus is in their throats. Then it went to their nose and very high viral load very quickly. Within two days, actually, the viral counts were really, really high in people. That just shows you how aggressive. This, this, this wouldn't be Omicron now. It was, it was probably um, Alpha, I think, was the one they used. But still, rapid growth of the virus, you know. And then what was amazing was only half developed any symptoms. So, so even though they all had lots of virus in them, if you, if you see what I mean, half of them had no symptoms at all. Now, now that's a really important finding, mm. because, but yet they could be infectious, you see, because it's in their nose. So that tells us asymptomatic transmission is real. We knew anyway from the other studies, of course, in the wild. But now we know someone with no symptoms can infect someone else, and that was, that was a really interesting finding. And then the half who got symptoms, uh, it was the usual things. They got like a runny nose, uh, la- lack of uh, sense of smell and taste, 70% had that. So yet again, that confirmed uh, what we know already. So you can imagine that these people were, were poked and prodded for a good two weeks and all this information began to emerge. Now, you said that they tracked them thereafter. I mean, how long did the effects last? I mean, taste and smell. You can't enjoy food if you don't have a sense of taste and smell. Did any of them get long COVID? That was striking. That would be one fear, by the way. That may, Obviously, they're, they're monitoring them closely. And, 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 and by the way, this was proposed early in the pandemic, as you may remember, as a way to test, say, vaccines and so on. But because there was no vaccines or treatments then, now that there's treatments, they could, they could take a risk, I suppose, and infect these people. But you're right. One consequence might be persistent symptoms. And strikingly, that lack of um, sense of smell and taste persisted for six months, well out beyond the infection. In one person, they still hadn't got their smell and taste back nine months after. Now, again, that just shows you how serious, in a way, this, this virus is. You can see these. Now, luckily enough, there were no other symptoms of long COVID, like, like fatigue and so on. That wasn't reported. That could have been because the dose was quite low, though. This, this tiny droplet, remember, was a very low dose of virus. If they had a higher dose, that, that was for safety, of course. They wanted to give as low a dose as possible. But you're, you're right. If it was higher, there could, there could well have been more persistent symptoms. But the main one, it amazed me about six months out, uh, a lot of them said had no smell and taste back. Now, this I think was probably more associated with uh, Alpha and possibly Delta because the word we're getting from Omicron is that uh, some people 
although they have other symptoms like a cough and a sore throat and so on, uh, don't lose their uh, sense of taste and smell. So this virus, you know, it's very clever, very clever in the way yeah. it can vary itself and, and give different uh, symptoms. Now, the incubation period, uh, some speculation as to what that might be and is it the same in all the 34 and how quickly does the infection develop to the point of infectiousness? Yeah, within two days, they reckon. So, so two days post-symptoms, that's when you build up the virus, obviously, and then you're very infectious. And on average, that goes out six, seven, eight days afterwards, you know. And what was great about it was they antigen tested, which is a wonderful, you know, I've been saying it so, and really accurate. The antigen test picked up the virus. It really correlated with level of virus in the system, and then you're likely to be infectious. So again, they proved, if you like, scientifically how effective antigen testing was. Uh, by nine days, all of them had cleared it and they were over it, the vast majority. You know, so I thought that was the typical course of the disease in a way. You're yeah. right, Omicron would be different, obviously. That could be shorter, say, and less, less uh, troublesome in a way, you know. But certainly, on average, you're, you're going to carry the virus for six, seven, eight days at the kind of period that was found from the study. But the great thing is a vindication, in spite of Neffet's reservations and all the rest of it, it vindicates absolutely the it usefulness yeah. and effectiveness of uh, the, the antigen test. Yeah. Um, the, the question of this, this kind of study is called a human challenge study. Um, it's unusual, I would suspect. You know, you don't give people malaria. Uh, deliberately and then see how it goes. So how useful and how common might these become? Well, strangely, they have given people malaria, that's unusually. Oh, I mean, okay. yeah, low-level low malaria was tested for vaccines and, and flu is given often as an experimental thing. You give someone the flu and then you monitor it, you know, and you test drugs and vaccines and so on. The, the main use is to test therapies or perhaps test a vaccine. I mean, you can imagine in the future if we have a new vaccine that comes along for a new variant, it may well be done in this situation where you vaccinate people, then give them the virus and make sure the vaccine has worked and prove the vaccine is working. That, that, that's the practical use of this. But if you're an immunologist like me, it's scientifically fascinating because they're discovering new aspects of the immune system. The, the best bit for me, if I was half of them, did not develop any symptoms and could fight it very effectively. Now, the question is, why is that? They must have a very robust immune response, you see, because they can clear it immediately. Now, what's in their genes, maybe? And in fact, one of my colleagues in, in Trinity, Clean O'Farrelly, she's studying people who were a household partner with someone else who was infected who never picked up the infection yet they were with them the whole time you know and that's a very interesting cohort there's something about their immune system that's really strong you see and, and one thing this study showed was that innate immunity is strong in those people they get a very rapid immune response in their nose and so kill the virus on contact and then they don't get infected so again scientifically it could be, it could be very informative now, I don't know how, how much poking and prodding they did, but uh, what about something we have discussed over the, the months, and that is that a previous infection by a coronavirus, the common cold, or multiple infections, whether some of the people who you know had a great resistance to infection by COVID-19 actually had had loads of colds. And this worked in their favour. Exactly. And they've looked at that, Pat, and precisely, if you had a cold, like a regular cold, from a different coronavirus, OOC43 is the commonest one in Ireland, for instance, in the same family, there's good evidence now that, that would protect you from getting severe disease with, with COVID-19. And again, they've looked in these people, and there seems to be some indications that maybe the ones who didn't get infected and didn't get sick, as it were, had had a previous cold from a different coronavirus family member. Now, again, that it's, it, the trouble with this, it's quite a small study, it's only 34 people. 
people so you, you can't draw too many conclusions like that but wouldn't that be brilliant if that was proven to be the case because what that would mean is that we needn't worry about future variants because the current COVID will protect us against those and other coronaviruses as well as well you see so so that evidence is growing and there was a superb paper this week actually from a group in California who've, who've shown really good responses in terms of previous cold exposure giving a big T-cell response against COVID-19 so again that notion of the common cold protecting that's, that's, that's getting stronger all the time in terms of evidence uh, One from Jerry. I have COVID now for 15 days the antigen test keeps showing me as positive do I still need to isolate so that shows the benefit of the, yeah. the antigen test doesn't it because it does. the, the, the advice from the department might be ah, after 7 days off you go back to work you know yeah, exactly yeah, and that, that's good evidence but there's a, sadly for Jerry there's a range you see not, not everything is definitive in, in, in biology we see a massive range across all traits really some sadly it persists for days this study showed on average say 9 days it was all over you know that was the average poor old Jerry it's gone a bit longer now hopefully he will he will clear his immune system will kick in and clear it you know, in the next yeah. few days Another one says my long COVID took six months to fully manifest would that be normal? Yeah it would now that, that's a huge area we, we must do it but in a subsequent session we have because huge amount of research into long COVID is happening now you can imagine because the vaccines work so now the next fear is, is long COVID obviously sadly it can kick in months later and now why that is we don't know it's very strange you know it, it just seems to be an immune dysfunction of some kind so, so you might have had COVID that sensitises you you might get a different virus four or five months later but your immune system has changed you see because of COVID and now that reaction kicks off sadly some of those symptoms so that's a really interesting fact that's emerging. A lot of research to be done there. Uh, finally, a couple of things. Um, in the UK, they have uh, cleared therapeutics, the new Pfizer drug, for the 12-year-olds plus. They have, yeah. yeah. I mean, th- that's a very interesting this is, We know now there's lots of therapeutics, really. We have the antivirals, of course, and then we have these antibody therapies. And that one is Satrovimab. It's made by GSK, a UK company. Maybe, maybe that's partly why they approved it. Uh, but it's a very effective antibody. It's 79% decreased risk of hospitalisation and death if you take that. Now, it's an antibody, so it's a bit, it has to be injected and so on. But now it's been approved yeah, for, for over 12s, as you say. So we're, we're going to see more of that, I predict, by the way, more and more approvals of therapeutics like that as we go along. Yeah, I'm just wondering, does that have a benefit for uh, flu therapeutics? Because, you know, people suffer terribly from the flu. uh, It's not a cold. It's much worse than a cold. People will tell you they feel like death warmed up when they have the flu. Are we likely to see better therapeutics for what has been, you know, a very common affliction over the years? We'll see better vaccines for definite, but they're using the RNA technology, of course, now just like with COVID against flu. And there's trials running with more powerful vaccines that will work really well. The current flu vaccine vaccines work quite well anyway. They're still 50-60% though, those flu vaccines. Get those to 90-95 would be tremendous. And, and this RNA technology may be the way to do it. And then, yeah, the, the, the therapeutics for flu, of course, Tamiflu is there already. You know, there's one there. There may be better therapeutics as well. That's another example of the COVID dividend in a sense. It may go beyond COVID to other viruses. Uh, just a final comment from one of my uh, listeners. My 24-year-old daughter has COVID, has no taste or smell. She's a teacher in a secondary school. Lots of teachers and students would concur. Taste and smell still a symptom. Yeah. She's currently on day seven of isolation and still has a very strong positive antigen test. Uh, by the way, she also has had lots of colds this winter. Oh, there so you have it. Didn't yeah, work it for her. Didn't work for her. Exactly. But that just shows you that that taste smell thing persists and, and that must be something that's happened in your nose in terms of your sense has been damaged by the virus. The good news is it, overall it comes back. It might take months but the good news is at the moment it looks like as if it, do, it does begin to come back.
All right. Well, we will have that conversation over the coming weeks on long COVID and all the research that's going into it, because the number of people I've spoken to who thought Omicron was going to be a walk in the park and it wasn't, and they're left with a bit of brain fog. Yeah. Uh, it's it's quite interesting. Luke, thank you very much for joining us. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Music.